You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. After the Rush Limbaugh's Big Fat Idiot success, people came to me and said, Al, why don't you run for office? And I tried to explain to people that I think I'd be a terrible office holder. Comedian and former U.S. Senator Al Franken. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Well, you know, Al Franken has actually had several careers. He was one of the original writers and cast members of Saturday Night Live back in the mid-1970s. In fact, he was with the show for 15 years. Then he became a liberal commentator, had his own radio talk show. Then he had his own NBC sitcom, a short-lived show called Late Line. Then in 2008, Al Franken ran for United States Senator from his home state of Minnesota, and he won narrowly, but he won. In 2014, he was re-elected to a second term. But then in early 2018, he was forced to resign after allegations of sexual abuse. Now, knowing all of that, it's fun to go back almost 23 years to an interview I did with Al Franken in 1999 when he had written a book, a satire, about his own presidency of the United States of America. You didn't know he was president, did you? He was president for 144 days in his satire called Why Not Me? So here now from 1999, Al Franken. Well, it's it's a satire, a scathing satire of our political system because I actually create a scenario in which I could win. And uh, and I'm a terrible president in it. So this is uh, it's it's sort of a uh, a word of warning. <laughs> but as with any good satire, the scary part is it sounds all too plausible. It sounds all too real. I catch a break here and there. Uh, my one issue is uh, getting rid of ATM fees. And as it turns out, the Y2K bug affects only one thing, <laughs> ATM machines. Uh, everyone's deposits that they've made throughout the years on ATM machines get erased. And the banks won't uh, honor these deposits unless you have proof. And uh, I'm swept into office. <laughs> well, when did, uh, in, in, in this in the scenario that you tell the story, when did it first occur to you that Al Franken could be president of the United States of America? I just want to make this clear. I'm. This is a book. <laughs> and I... I well, see, uh, this is the sad part about America today, that there are people who might take this. Well, you know, it's funny. We did a full-page ad in the New York Times the day the book came out. And uh, part of it was an excerpt from the book, and it had a headline, President Franken resigns after 144 days in office, and then it wrote the story of that. And the Times had us change the typeface so that its readers uh, wouldn't be confused and wouldn't believe that, <laughs> that I was the president and had just resigned and that President Lieberman was now our president. So, um, but... <clears throat> this is, uh, I, I guess about uh, after the Rush Limbaugh's big fat idiot success, people came to me and said, Al, why don't you run for office? You're fairly well known. You're uh, good on camera. You've uh, been married once, two kids. You're very, very, very good looking. Why not 
run for office, and I tried to explain to people that I think I'd be a terrible office holder. I'm very indecisive and am easily crushed by <laughs> weighty decisions. So I, I decided to uh, to write this book to show just how bad I'd be. I, I, I tell you, I can't. I can't remember the last time that I read a book this funny that is obviously meant as a funny book that still nevertheless had to have a page and a half of disclaimer saying, telling people, don't take this seriously. This isn't real. I didn't mean this to be real. Well, that it, it's, uh, I, I don't think you could believe it's real, but you, there's, uh, Delacorte made me, uh, write a disclaimer that it seemed very obvious to me that. You know, I wasn't saying. What, what, what's in my disclaimer here? <laughs> There's all sorts of legal-sounding stuff. Well, they had me. This book is a work of satire and is therefore entitled to the same protection afforded Larry Flint when he published an ad parody for Campari in which evangelist Jerry Falwell described losing his virginity during an incestuous encounter with his mother in an outdoor toilet. <laughs> It's those kind of, uh, <laughs> well, that's part of my disclaimer. It's, it's, it's a long disclaimer because they made me do well, that. Well, let's put it this way. If there's any reader who, who actually does believe that this actually happened and that this is anything other than a very funny book that they ought to read on that level, then there's something wrong with our American society. But that's probably the subject. Also, it, doesn't, it isn't one of those kind of things if, like War of the Worlds where they commit suicide <laughs> if they thought it was real. So it's not dangerous in that regard. <laughs> now, I don't think an Al Franken presidency would be dangerous in that particular sense but uh it is a dangerous presidency but only lasts 144 <laughs> days because i go through a series of violent mood swings because i'm medicated is what happens i get depressed <laughs> on day two and uh i have these sort of bipolar i get medicated so i get these bipolar mood swings during a, a, a particular low i punch nelson mandela <laughs> in the stomach uh in a, during a manic high i have myself cloned and the uh, embryo, which is formed from my cheek cells, is uh, placed in Anne Heche's uterus. And the resulting clone, Alonzo Heche DeGeneres, who is the only clone ever, uh, uh, only human clone, because President <laughs> Lieberman, who was my vice president, uh, bans cloning. And uh, but Alonzo Heche DeGeneres... It, in the epilogue, is the curator of the Franken Museum. <laughs> because every former president, even one who's only been in office a little over 100 days, does get a, his own museum. Yeah, well, the museum is sort of built on the, uh, is designed on the 144-day design elements. There's 144 rooms <laughs> in, the, in, the, uh, in the library. <laughs> Everything in here could almost, you could almost picture tomorrow's headline. It, it could, this is fiction, this is satire, you made this up. But doggone, this could happen. Well, a lot of, a lot of, the, uh, of uh, the book is the press coverage of my run. And uh, it's pretty, uh, I think, pretty accurate about yes. how <laughs> the press covers these things. That's the sad thing. And the first hundred days of my presidency is uh, chronicled in Bob Woodward's book, called The Void, <laughs> and uh, it's very Woodwardian in that it's chock full of unnecessary details. But that's what, if you get right down to it, that's what great satire is. I mean, everything that you've satirized in this book is 
we don't have to stop and think, well, what is he making? What is he trying to do on this page? We know exactly because we know how Bob Woodward writes. We know, you know, how the press covers a campaign. We know how, how, how these things, how we know what the New York Post headline might look like the day after uh, the election. Right. And so that's what make us, makes a satire work, isn't it? Uh, if it's good. <laughs> uh, bad satire doesn't work that way. It kept me up way Way past my bedtime. I mean, you don't want to know how far past my bedtime this well, book Well, that's, that's a very high compliment, and no wonder you're so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little sleepy myself. We're doing this in the morning, and I'm, I'm more of an evening person, frankly. My, myself included. Yeah. So we, we've tortured each other by coming in at this hour. But that's... Yeah, but I'm glad we did. It's <laughs> been very nice. After this short break, Al Franken tells what he really missed about Saturday Night Live. Now back to my 1999 interview with Al Franken. We all in college took the creative writing course, and at some point during the course, the teacher made us all write a satire. And some of the kids in the class got it, others of us didn't. And it, 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 it's one of those things that looks a lot easier than it is. Once you start writing something like this, this is, this is very challenging. Well, except for me, this is the only thing I can write. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this is it's what I do. So it's easier for me than someone, for example, who doesn't do it. The, one of the things that, that I like, I mean, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of people who write books in which they are a character. Kinky Friedman comes to mind, mm-hmm. you know, all, all his books. But, but you really, I mean, this, is, this is all about, this is, this is not a, what do I want? It's not a flattering portrait of myself. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, That's it's, for sure. This is, this you is know, after the Rush book, people said, who, who's going to be your next jerk? <laughs> and I thought, hey, me, I'll make it me. <laughs> I, I count myself among the many, many legions of fans who remember you from the earliest days of Saturday Night Live. And uh, the, the, when, when the buzz arrived around the station here that, they, that people realized you were coming in, everybody's eyes lit up in the way that very few celebrities make their eyes light up. You have When Bob Barr comes in, they don't, <laughs> they don't go, oh, Bob Barr's here. No, about about the only one recently who's done it was Tyra Banks, but that's yeah, that's well, on a whole that other level. That I understand. <laughs> but you've got although Bob Barr probably wouldn't like Tyra Banks, would he? Now, no, probably not. Actually, no. no. But uh, but you've got you've got a marvelously large following. Well, that's nice to know. That's nice to know. I, I yeah, I uh, slow but steady wins the race. <laughs> I've never been like a huge. Uh, I, I've been fortunate in that I've been able to work a long time doing the kinds of things I want to do, but I've never reached the level of, of uh, celebrity and notoriety or stardom where, it beca- where it's a nuisance. And I've seen that happen to people, but for me, it's just, it's a- almost always everything's good. Uh, you know, the occasional Rush Limbaugh fan who says something vitriolic but uh, um i was just curious what your reaction was the following year when that that parody of your book came out the the al franken is a bucktooth moron or whatever they call it yeah i i was fine with it my orthodontist was very <laughs> upset because <laughs> i i i think i have the slightest overbite but i don't i don't even think you could <laughs> And I do have to ask you, I, I, and I mean this seriously and very respectfully, what does it take to remain married to the same woman as long as you have? Um, 
I, I'm lucky that I have a wife who uh, is very understanding of what I do, and I make, um, after friends of ours read this book, a lot of them called her and said, did you read this? <laughs> because I'm such a jerk in this book, and including, uh, and this is all fictional, unfaithful to my wife, but she just, she totally gets it. I mean, she, she just, she appreciates it, and uh, I'm not bad myself. I mean, we, we love each other, and we've got uh, two two kids. we got a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old, and uh, we got a nice family. But you know the cliche about show business people, they can't stay married. Uh, I, you know, I think that's sort of uh, probably equally true of, of America, you know. Uh, I think it's harder for, you know, motion picture stars who go off on a set for three months with a beautiful leading lady and other, you know, uh, I, I think it's harder. Those are different kind of pressures and than I've had in television and, and in what I do. Is NBC going to finally give Late Line a chance? We are, um, yes, we, we're going to be on Tuesdays fi uh, finally. Excellent. I'm just yeah. trying to find out where it is. Well, it's been on in a bad spot on Wednesday, frankly. We, you know, we're a sitcom about a news show, and they put us opposite uh, Drew Carey, which is ABC's number one sitcom and 60 Minutes 2, which is a clone of the highest rated news show in history. So I, I think it was not, and I, I kind of told them that <laughs> when when we got that time slot and they're, they've uh, seen fit to, uh, we'll, we'll be on Tuesdays in March. Mm, okay. uh, I think March 16th is our first, first night. Because uh, despite my best efforts to try to keep track of where it has been, I end up missing. I've, I've I've only caught a couple of episodes, and and but they're yeah, hilarious episodes. Well, thank you. We've had uh, four episodes on this year. We have another one coming next Wednesday at nine o'clock uh, Eastern time, and it's it's a really fun episode. And then we're going to be off for a while during sweeps, and then we'll be back on in March on Tuesdays at eight thirties after Third Rock on NBC, and uh, that's the see that's a must see night. Uh, NBC tells me that uh, all the programming on Tuesday night is that you have to see it. Must see. That's you must right. see. As opposed to the Wednesday night slot, which was just a, it was just voluntary. <laughs> Suggested viewing. Yeah. <laughs> do you miss Saturday Night Live? Uh, yes, I do. I, I, I miss a number of things about it, one of which, of course, is the opportunity to do up-to-the-minute topical uh, humor. You know, some people ask me about why isn't Late Line more topical. There's a number of reasons for that, one of which is that we were in production when we weren't on the air. The other is that you really can't do it in a sitcom in the same way you can do on Saturday Night Live. You know, I did SNL for 15 seasons, and when we had big breaking stories, often we wouldn't bother writing the sketch until Friday or Friday night because things were changing. So there was really no sense in uh, writing something that, that didn't make sense on Saturday. 
So uh, we we've took great pain. We've taken great pains on on late line to do things that we thought would resonate with what's happening, but that wouldn't necessarily be wrong and or not make any sense. And also, one of the goals of uh, a sitcom is to be on the air five, ten years from now in syndication. And so, it makes sense to do a show where you refer to Monica Lewinsky. But not to do a show where, oh, you know, Bob Barr uh, mm-hmm. took the Fifth Amendment on us during his divorce and evidently during his second divorce and <laughs> had uh, affairs with uh, while he was married and that Bob Barr visited a number of racist groups and, you know, went to John Birch Society meetings. <laughs> People aren't going to remember Bob Barr 10 years from now and what a hypocrite and awful person he is. They're just not going to remember that. It's like you look at the shows from from 1980, and you figure, who's Rita Jenrett? I don't. <laughs> you know, I I actually happen to remember Rita <laughs> Jenrett, but then again, I'm a guy. And I, and I also want to say before. Well, that's yeah, that's that's one of the. Before we close it, because I'm running out of time, I do I make sure that I said this on the record so that I have it on the tape. I wanted to tell you that I really do feel honored that you are here because I think that you and the rest of the original Saturday Night Writers and cast will live in in entertainment history much as the way those original cadre of writers for your show of shows well, all, very kind. all went on to to very stellar positions you know in in the american iconography and i think i think all of you uh, deserve that same kind of honor well that's uh, quite a group to be lumped with i mean that's uh, you're talking mel brooks and carl reiner and Absolutely. larry gelbart and neil simon and mm-hmm. Um, I'm leaving somebody very important out, uh, but quite a group. Al Franken is 70 years old now. He can be heard Saturday mornings on Sirius XM Radio, and he's currently on a 15-city live tour. And you can find easy Amazon links to Al Franken's books at our website, heardeverything.com. And while you're at heardeverything.com, be sure to listen to my interview with another former Saturday Night Live alum with another funny book, Chris Elliott and his father, Bob. My gold-toe socks had to be hung on nothing but uh, wire hangers. That was one of Daddy's rules. We're thinking of bringing out a designer line of uh, wire coat hangers. <laughs> and listen to my interview with another former SNL alum, Molly Shannon. Always when I was doing Saturday Night Live, like if I did Sally O'Malley, and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, I like to kick, stretch, and kick. We tend to think of comedy like rhythm, like good. It has like a timing to it, almost musical. And of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, iHeart, Spotify, and many others. And thanks so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my 2007 interview with singer, songwriter, poet, Donovan. I come from a storytelling tradition. Uh, in fact, uh, it's clear to me now that I'm a reincarnated bard uh, of, of a Celtic uh, order uh, who uh, can teach through music. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.